I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening, TC, and welcome all to part 83 of our weekly podcast, Current view with the Isle of Hills, but at Mr. Terry Curran. This is series three, part one, if you like. Yes, with the new season starting in a couple of weeks' time, it's great, it's great to get back and uh, get our points of view over to uh, all the listeners. It's fantastic because we've had the pandemic and we've had pretty much from the restart wall-to-wall football, which is which has been great. Um, fans now are back into football grounds. We've got the Charity Shield uh, next week, which is full capacity at Wembley. But it has felt as though football has never been away. It's been two short breaks for the players. Will that be of benefit for them or not? Because as soon as this season finishes, you know, we've got the uh, the, the World Cup, haven't we, in uh, December? It's all a bit on top of each other. I think we can get into all, all sorts of, uh, I don't want to use the word excuses, but... Yeah. Uh, um, People making points that, you know, they play too many games. It's a long, hard season. It's a difficult season because uh, teams make it difficult for each other in our league compared to the other European leagues. Yep. Um, but if you ask every player if they'd sooner train or play, and I'll guarantee you uh, that all, or 95% would turn around and say they'd sooner play. And if you ask every player that they want to play every week, of course, they'll do the same thing. You know, the vast majority of them would want to play. Um, but I see why managers do uh, chop and change, not on a regular basis. I don't I don't get see the benefit in that. Uh, I'll make changes just to give people little breaks and freshen up. You know, I, I think certain players do need that compared to other players. Yeah, for sure. And, and the Euros have not long finished, so those players that did play international football, playing the Euros, they probably will have a little bit longer break. In fact, I think they're probably coming back next week, aren't they? Certainly Jack Grealish is back, and the big transfer talk is, should he stay or should he go? A £100 million transfer deal on the table. So we're led to believe something in that region from Manchester City to take Jack Grealish up there to Manchester. I believe they've also sorted him out with a cameo appearance in Coronation Street. (laughs) (laughs) Well, nothing surprises me uh, in modern day football. But how sad is it when you look at a club like Aston Villa, what league titles, Uh, I know not Premier League titles, FA Cups and uh, the old European Cup, that they can't keep hold of the best player. Mm. You know, money talks, um, and Jack will want to play with a club what's going to... um, win trophies but at the same time he'll be very disappointed uh, because it's his um, hometown club it's a, t- it's a team he supports so no one he, w- he will be disappointed if he if he goes but he'll, he'll be happy to go and win major trophies and secure him I mean it'll be secured anyway but this will be a major secure uh, in his financial situation you know if it's an hundred million pound deal but it'll be a sad day for the fans a sad day for Aston Villa 
And and I want people to understand it'll be sad day for Jack Grealish. Yeah, it will do. And and I think September is his next birthday. I think he has one every September. I can't remember the date. But I do believe he's 26. Now, I think that is a big factor. Yeah. I think if he was 23, 22, 23, with the current ownership of Aston Villa and buying in the players that they're buying in, I think 100% he would stay. But I think at that age, 26, he's probably looking at it's the right time now to play Champions League football. And I think for Villa, that's a season or two ahead of them. Yeah, well, uh, you're right there. I mean, he'll want to play Champions League football. He'll want to play at the highest level yeah. in every competition he can uh, he can play in. Um, but there's two pluses here, you know, because obviously is at 26. Yep. They're never going to get that money for him at 28, yep. 29, if, if they leave it another couple of seasons, maybe three seasons. Mm. But what it will do is give them the money to go and uh, buy some a couple of top quality players, you know, in the £50 million bracket, as long as the uh, the owners uh, allow Dean to go and um, Dean Smith to go and um, purchase those players. Or... Manchester City might throw in a couple, two, three players in part exchange plus money. You just don't know mm. which will which will aid uh, Aston Villa or help uh, Aston Villa with a better mm. quality player. Yeah, my understanding is for Aston Villa, money's not an issue. I think it's just a time factor that Jack's twenty six and and he didn't play much in the Euros. That was down to uh, an in in inadequate manager in my opinion we've been there many times before but but I, I do think Villa are really building I think they're on the cusp and I think the owners will be trying to break the bank to convince Jack to just give them one more year well I don't I don't think if this is a hundred million pound bid mm. I think Manchester City will will, will get him if if, if it's in me we don't know whether it's paper talk, mm. you know, but at the end of the day, um, I think Jack has to move on in a sense to go and prove himself um, how good a player he can be with the elite players. Yeah. So when you get in those Manchester City teams and you, you, you top uh, Real Madrid and your Barcelona, maybe not now because obviously they're not the force what they were. But your Manchester City uh, is, and your Paris Saint-Germain are buying all the all the top quality players. So to play in one of those two teams, I think it's important to to Jack. Uh, but going back to to um, Southgate, whether he's whether he's inadequate or not, uh, mm-hmm. Southgate. My biggest uh, point, where I've always tried to get across to people, and it's not that I, I have a go at managers. I've tried to explain to people if a manager doesn't fancy you, yeah. Absolutely. And then, but you see, what will happen? People will turn around and say, well, if, 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 if Southgate didn't fancy uh, Grealish, why did he pick him? Why is he taking him in the squad? Yeah. You know, he took him in the squad to get him uh, to get him out of jail if he gets into jail. This, is, this was a great... Mm. In fact, this is the best squad we've had, right? Um, I'm not saying the best individual players we've had, but this is the best squad we've had. Mm since the 1966 World Cup. I mean, the 96 team was a good team. Uh, the 90 team was a good team with Gaza. 
Um, and then you've got Gerard and Scholes and uh, Lampard and all these, uh, Ferdinand. But for, again, for some unknown reason, uh, whether it's the philosophy, whether it's the manager, but something wasn't right with those players because those players should have done better. Um, and when you look at them, it makes them look like ordinary players uh, because we failed even to get into semi-finals of the, of the European uh, Championship or World Cups with your Lampards and your Gerrards and your Ferdinands and your Ashley Goals. And these are really all top pop players. I mean, I don't, I'll, I'll not blame them. It will, it will go down to the philosophy not suiting their way of playing. So with, with Southgate, and that, again, I can't stress it enough. I've seen enough. I've seen enough of it in my lifetime. I can remember people say to me about Brain Club, and Brain Club once said to Martin O'Neill, "Young man, uh, I don't like you, but I'll play you." Mm-hmm. And that's one thing about Cluffy. If he didn't like somebody. He played them. A lot of managers just ignore the player and send him to train with the kids. You know, it's it, it's the wrong thing to do. Whether people like uh, think Danny Rose is a good player or not, for a season he's had to train with the young lads. In, in England, internationals had mm. to train with the young lads. What's that? What does that tell you about football management? You know, I mean, I look at I look at football management. Bielsa comes to Leeds. Never complains about the players he's got. Never complains about the money. And turns, turns leads into a premiership outfit what play top football. When you look at our coaches and managers, what go in, the first thing they say about the squad, it's not strong enough, it's not good enough. We need players. You know, so for me, the book will always stop with a manager. Even if I was a manager, if I'm not producing it, it's my fault. I've not, I've not put a team together for that club to be successful because it's their philosophy it's their way it's their way or no way because a lot of players will go along with it um, to play um, in the team and the manager will say to them uh, I'm going to play you out at left I'm going to play a full back I'm going to do this I'm going to do that and you made that old saying trying to put round holes in square pegs and that doesn't work no it don't it never will and you're absolutely spot on it all comes down to your football philosophy. I don't think for one minute that, that Southgate has got an issue with Jack Grealish in terms of personality. I think he probably likes the kid. It just mm-hmm. comes down to the fact that it doesn't fit into the way that he wants to play the football. And whether Southgate now looks at it and thinks, I've got to change my tactics a bit. I've got to change my philosophy. They, that, they, will, never, they no. will never do that. No. I've seen I've seen enough of them, mm. and I've been out of football for a long time. But I see enough on t- t- I see enough television football. I see enough live football. And I go to live football. Mm. You know. Well, now when I say about Southgate, it's not to do about liking him. I'm giving that expression with with, with Clough. Yeah, absolutely. With yeah. yeah, yeah. With with Jack, what I'm saying about Jack, if anything, what he doesn't do, he doesn't trust Jack enough. No, absolutely. Yeah. Because he's yeah. frightened to death to lose mm. a football. Match. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to say he doesn't like Jack. What I'm, he does not fancy him uh, over other players because yeah, it's not did, his kind of player. Jack, yeah. Jack yeah. would play on a regular basis, yeah. just like here's a prime, prime example: main, uh, Mason Mount, good player, top yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not knocking him. What I'm trying to say to, to everyone, to you and everyone out there, mm-hmm. listen, well, listen, what's going to listen to this uh, show, is Mount is isolated for ten days. Straight back into team. Yeah. 
right? Now, rightly or wrongly, that's irrelevant, right? But what that tells me, uh, he has a soft spot for Mount. Yet, it's still a good player. Would I pick him? Of course, I'd pick him. What I'm trying to get through to people mm. is this: Jack is a player uh, that he wants to use and help uh, help him if things are in a um, difficult, if the team's in a difficult scenario, mm. right? So he doesn't trust him enough. And I'm not saying he doesn't like him, because there'd be plenty of players who at Southgate don't like what didn't pick. Mm. What could could have been in that squad? You know what I'm trying to say is, he doesn't trust Jack enough to pick him on a regular basis. 100%. Like he trusts uh, Mount and Harry Maguire. I mean, there's nobody be the bigger fan than me than Harry Maguire and John Stone. When everybody mm. else was slaughtered, you know that. Yeah, absolutely. The people watching this show know knows yeah. that. All I'm trying to say, Jack Grealish should have walked into this England team. Yep. Right, and if to be a successful manager. What you've got to do, even if you don't like someone, and I'm using that word, doesn't like, you know, and I'm not because Jack looks a lovely lad. Mm. Right? But you know as well as I do, he gets a lot of complaints from fans because he's, he's down. But they don't realise he's getting committed, he's having fouls and he's creating fouls, which Absolutely. is a, a yeah. dangerous area. Yeah. You know, so it's not when, when mm. I say about when I say about not liking, I'm using uh not using something. I saw I, I saw Clough say it. I heard him say it to mm. Martin O'Neill in a group when we were mm. in a group when he was having a talk with us. And I'm not saying that Southgate doesn't like uh, Jack. Well, he doesn't trust Jack. How's yeah. Jack would play? 100% even if he did go to Man City, it doesn't change anything. He don't no. trust him. He don't like players that take risks. That's just the way that Gareth Southgate... Um, All like... the managers like Southgate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while we're talking of England, we've got three games in September. On the 2nd, on the 5th and on the 8th. First up is Hungary away. Um, I think that could be a tricky game. Next up is a pub team, Andorra. And then we've got another banana skin game, Poland away, uh, 5 p.m. Right. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, it's quarter to eight kickoff on Wednesday, the 8th of September. Well, so what three I'm going to say to about those three teams, <clears throat> Hungary are nowhere near like they were in the 60s. Oh, absolutely. Nowhere near. No, not a prayer. Right. Andoria, Andorra, yeah. uh, are a non diplomed team. And when I say that, People will say they're a non-diplomed team. Yeah, absolutely. But it could, it could be a banana skin because it can happen, right? Mm. And Poland are nowhere near, nowhere near what they were in previous World Cups. Yeah. In the, in seventy fours and uh, those in around about the seventies, early sixties, uh, late sixties, you know. Uh, so we play these games, mm. right? And they'll win them. And people say, oh, you can't ask for any more. No, you can't. You can't. Yeah. But what happens when we come up against the, the best? You know, we've got through to a final. We've got through to a final, right, which we should have had the advantage of, of home advantage, mm -hmm. yet we played with fear before the game started. Yeah. And what I mean we played with fear, it's not the players, because the players will play to order. Mm. Right? And we played... We score early, we play a def defensive-minded game, and then England, uh, Italy come and beat us 2-1. Which is, I mean, th these are two major tour uh, tournaments. The, the last World Cup and this European Championship, we should have, we should have 
Well, in my opinion. And both times, my opinion. both times TC took the lead. You know, against so, Croatia uh, and against Italy, both times we took the lead. Yeah. Yeah, but we should beat Croatia and got to a final. So we'd have won that final. Yeah, for absolutely. Me. Yeah. But again, you know, again, he bottled it. He just. Well, we got into a final this time. And again, he bottled it. You know, I mean that 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 game uh, against Croatia, mm. right? He's played a left back out of position. Yeah. Right. And that's where Croatia uh, created all the problems, mm. especially Modric. And they put it, it got them back into the game. And we and I'm watching it here, and I'm not a manager, so I think to myself, why don't he see that? Mm. I think you he know, tries but, to overcomplicate the game at times. We can keep we don't he, about loves, it. he loves a fullback, don't he? He loves a fullback. Yeah. Charity Shield TC, the curtain raiser of the season. Players have had the pre-season. They've had their little bit of holiday, etc., etc. Um, memories of Charity Shields. What's the first Charity Shield game that springs to your mind? The first Charity Shield. Well, it, it's not as important as it as it was. Um, in the early seventies, I mean the, I mean that. See, my I remember the sixty-three FA Cup, and I remember the uh, sixty-five FA Cup uh, with Liverpool and Leeds. Mm. I think Man United uh, beat Leicester yeah. sixty-three. Yeah. Did West Ham win it sixty-four, sixty-five? Yeah. And then uh, my team gets to uh, Wembley sixty-six. With, uh, Playing um, Everton, yeah. two and a lot we get beat. So you know um, the the Liverpool the Liverpool Leeds game. Um, Seventy four. You know, uh, was that the one we we, we Cluffy and um, yeah yeah Billy Bram Billy Bram now yeah it, Bill, Bill Shankly had actually left Liverpool, left. but they they, Sorry, they wanted him to leave oh, out Liverpool for the for the final time. I believe that was the final the final right. time because that Shanks led the team out. Yeah, he did. Shankly did. And then Bremner and um, and Keegan Bremner had a row. Uh, Keegan had a thing. Giles had punched. Uh, <laughs> and Billy got the brunt of it. You know, um, so that is the. What you could say, well, I mean, to say with a charity shield, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was a physical charity shield. So that's the the main one compared to the, you know, to the other ones. I was talking to uh, to Hoodie early in the week because we're doing another uh, My Life, My Music. So we uh, we were just having a, a chat about general uh, football and how we're going to do uh, part 17 of My Life, My Music. And, and I mentioned to uh, Al about the charity shield. And he said, yeah, I, I played in one. Because I said, I can remember so many FA Cup games, but I can't remember any charity shield apart from 74 with Keegan and, uh, and oh, Billy Bremner. Yeah, they weren't shown, were they? I'm not sure that that one definitely was in '74, but yeah, but, but well, I can't well, remember. Early doors, I can't... early doors. Oh, early doors. I, mean, I, I, yeah. I was a professional footballer. Then yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a kid, yeah. I can't remember him. No, I can't. I, I remember that, but I can't remember others. He, Alan was telling me about the 1970 um, Charity Shield game. Chelsea I the versus Man United one. Uh, you know. Ferguson, both Wenger turning around and saying, you know, uh, there's no charity games or no friendly games. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? 
Sorry, yeah. go on. No, the 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 Everton, Everton versus Chelsea. They played it at Stamford Bridge, and Udi says. Well, that me, was another thing. A lot of them didn't play at Wembley, did they? No, they never. No, no. I got an idea that that seventy-four game was the first time that the cup winners played the league champions at there. Wembley. Did Udi, did Udi play in the uh, sixty-seven Tottenham game? No. He was, there, he was there that game, but he was just behind where Peter Lorimer uh, right. had that arrow that went in and it was disallowed. Oh, but, but did he play in that FA Cup game? No. No, no. He, he, he made his debut um, 1st of February 1969. He would have mm. made his debut earlier, but uh, he was injured. And then Tommy Doherty left, sacked, right. left. And then um, Dave come in and, and took the reins. Yeah. And because there were five Chelsea players drunk in a restaurant, Alan Hudson. Yeah, 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 Alan Hudson. You got you finished getting rid of him, didn't you? Well, that was the uh, that was the Blackpool scenario <laughs> that uh, Doxy had a problem there. But this one, Dave Sexton was the manager at the time, and they were in a restaurant, uh, a stone's throw away from Stamford Bridge. Uh, a little bit worse for wear, and Udi made made his debut. But he was saying in that game how brilliant Alan Ball was, and and that season. 1970, Everton won the league, and and Audi said without Alan Ball, I wouldn't have. What a player! He said mm. they absolutely tortured us over Easter. Uh, they were five nil up, and we got two. Well, they got two goals, and it looked a bit flattering for us. But they, it could have been anything. Ballie was well, just when, unbelievable. When, once Ballie had moved into the midfield, yeah. I mean, England, when when England won the World Cup, they were playing it out wide. Where did he open down? Chasing, but when when he played uh, majority majority of the time in midfield, he when you look at Iniesta in one touch ball, Bali were doing that well before their time. Yeah, you know if you watch, if you listen to any great players, all these top players all played against him. They hated playing against Alan Ball because they, they couldn't get near him. He said yeah. he knew when to play early and when to hold it. You know, he was he was such a player. You what? I mean, I got end of his career, and in training, it it was it was fascinating to watch him. You know, yeah. the touch and the uh, the the weight and the the accuracy of his passing. The majority of the time was unbelievable. Alan said the best one-touch uh, passer of the ball he's, he's ever seen. There was two players that made Alan Hudson have an early night. One was Tony Curry, the other was Alan mm. Ball. And thankfully, the other player that, that gave him the hardest game that, that he had was uh, George Easton, but that he played for the same Stoke team and he'd retired. Yeah. And that was in their five-a-side at training. Well, I, can remember, I can remember George Easton. What a good play, great player he was. Oh, uh, And again, I mean, England won the World Cup 55 years ago today. Um <laughs> George Easton would have been in Alan Hudson's uh, starting eleven that day, and so would the great Peter Thompson on uh, the wing for Liverpool. Udi says, you know, although See, we when won you look the World at that, Cup, Peter Thompson, how great was he for Liverpool? But, well, this is what Udi says, although but it, we won but it. it. But, but um, Ramsey wouldn't pick him. No, absolutely. Ramsey didn't like wingers. He didn't like certain players. Again, similarities. Did he play wingers? Ball, yeah. ball, ball no, absolutely. Yeah. No, five, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Wingless but wonders. Great, you know. Yeah, yeah. That was that was Sir Alf's philosophy on football. And as Oddie says, the worst thing we ever done was win the World Cup because we thought that we could win things without wingers and without playing our flair players. And the game's just gone backwards. But after or just before the. Um, 
the charity shield and that's why i'm just drinking a, a bottle of heineken in honor of the kings of the king's road they went on tour to sweden and dropped off in amsterdam and uh Udi said we found heineken and johan cruyff in amsterdam <laughs> he says but we thought we were playing a pub team so we uh we had a few too many heinekens in the red light districts of amsterdam and then when we turned up for the game Udi said i looked at this fella and he got the number 14 shirt on and I thought, well, he must be one of the subs. And then when he come on the pitch and started playing, he thought, well, probably not. What a, <laughs> what a player. But yeah, Heineken and Johan Cruyff on the 26th of, uh, 26th of July, 1971. In fact, they drew that game, Chelsea, when uh, Ian Hutchinson scored. Well, when you look at all like that, look at all that and analyse all that. Yeah. Cruyff has got to be the, the major factor in football because he was up there with all the elite players in football yeah. but left such a mark yeah. when he became a, a manager with his philosophy on football mm. that a lot of people, a lot of coaches have, have copied. Yeah, But again, Cruyff, I mean, he was... The thing is with Johan Cruyff, Johan Cruyff, if you like, was the captain on the pitch, wasn't he? You know, he yeah. he took on uh, Renus Michael's orders. His philosophy of football came from the Hungarians, come from them Jewish coaches back in the day. Also come from that wonderful uh, team, the wonder team in Austria. So the philosophy of playing football and playing total football and playing out from the back, it's always been about these. Oh, you oh every, every, you're right, 100%. Mm. Once you get the, one of these elite teams, what goes, and there's that 10-year or that decade of excellent football, there's a lot of top coaches will follow that type of way. Because everybody tweaks, don't they? All yeah. these top coaches. Yeah, yeah. The philosophy. Mm. You know, fine. Because it's getting more and more defensive-minded now with lots, lots of other coaches. That They've got to find and come up with a solution um, and a philosophy what's going to open these teams up, what defend that way. Absolutely. Um, TC, and one of the features that we do on the podcast is the magic moment. I did see on your Facebook page uh, this week that you've been saying that you'd watched a lot of football recently. I haven't seen that much football recently. I did see that Dutch girl uh, do a Bergkamp-esque turn and put it in the bottom corner, which I thought were fantastic. And I've also posted up onto the Current View, our group and our Facebook page, the uh, wonderful Rivellino. There was uh, a package put of Rivellino's best bits. And, and guys, if you want to watch a genius, watch Rivellino, because what he yeah. couldn't do, not just I with posted, his left foot, but the right as well. I, I, po- I posted a few things about him, Rivellino, on, oh, on my what, wall. What a player. Oh, you know, he, all the great players around at that time, even Pelly, you know, said, you know, this guy's a superstar yeah. of football. You know, um, but no, I haven't seen any of the Olympics. I've not seen any of the football Olympics. What I've been, what I've been doing, uh, is been watching um, the games um, when I've recorded them yeah. and watched them uh, the full games back. And I've watched teams like Boston playing Lincoln. There's been great goals, and that's been great. Some uh, not great, but some decent uh, football played. 
a lot of mistakes in that game. Mm. And that's why they're playing at that level. It's when a good coach can iron them out. But the Brentford-Man United game, the other night, there's four goals on there. Yes. And I'm not going to pick one magic moment. If, if any young lad or any professional footballer is watching, go and watch the composure and the accuracy of striking a football. Yeah. And some of the play uh, in that game, passing, the movement, uh, the tempo. The Man United and Brentford match Manchester United, by the mm. way. Little Brentford, because that's what they are. We are being rude to Brentford. You know, uh, I've always known Brentford around, around about four or 6,000 people. They're going to get full houses every season, every week now at yeah. home, playing in the Premier League. And some of the football they play, yes, it's pre-season, and pre-season can give you a false hope. It can give you a false hope on two things. Your team does well. You think, oh, you're going to have a marvellous season, and it backfires. The team sets off poorly in pre-season, and everybody's on a downer, boom, and they, they have a good season. You know, so, uh, but I like to see football. I like to see different philosophies. I like to see the different uh, styles um, play, whether it's a slow game or a, a long ball game. Um, I'm not against a long ball. I'm against a long ball all the time. Yep, absolutely. Michigan. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm against. Yep. A lot of teams want to get it forward as quick as possible. But they say they want to get it forward to try and score goals. But majority of the time, a lot of my coaches, because I've been addressing them, getting away from our goal, they want it away as far. When it's up the field, they can't score. That's what they say. But it comes straight back here. That's, that's the difference. Mm with the top quality coaches trying to play out from the back. And then sometimes when they're playing out from the back, they do over they do overdo it some teams and yeah. that's why they get caught. Absolutely. Loving the picture that Chris done of you, by the way. Yes. Well, uh, I spoke to you uh, the other day. Uh, I do a lot for charity, but this time uh, my partner, Janet Moffitt, has, has been diagnosed with cancer, so I'm going to do an auction. Yeah for that picture. I'm going to uh, get it framed and I'm going to help raise some money for her to, um, while she's going through a bit of a bad time, what with this COVID and now being diagnosed with cancer, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been a bit of a bad thing for her. So I'm going to, I'm going to get that um, um, framed up and uh, get it posted next week and see if I can raise a little bit of money for her. Absolutely. And there's a few words on there as well. It's part of the poem that yeah. I wrote about you. And, I love uh, it. I loved it. I know. Yeah. It's sad for me because you're writing it. And, you know, when people write things and, and, I, and I like it, uh, you like it because it's about you. But I like the poem anyway. So if you'd have wrote it about someone else, I, I would have liked that poem. But thank you. And it's it's an honour, you know, because when people write things about you, you know, you just make, whoever it is, and I guarantee you, whether it be Croy, Pelly or Maradona, mm. They all admire when when people uh, say things about them or write things about them, uh, especially people, you know, poems and things like that. Absolutely, and if anybody, you know, if there's a way that you can use that poem and those words to raise some more money for uh, for Janet, then um, let's let's do it. It is, yeah, we will do it. Yeah, yeah, it is a disease that's close to my heart because my sadly my mother's been diagnosed with breast cancer as as well. So yeah, best, you were telling best, me, yeah. yeah, best wishes to everybody that's uh, that's struggling at this moment in time. Um, with any illness, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Escape to victory. Forty years old today, TC. Where's where's those forty years gone? Listen, when you look at, when you get up, look, we all know one thing. At school, when we're the kids at school, we can't wait to leave. Yep. And it drags, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
And as soon as you leave school, time flies. Yep. We're just talking, we're talking with Janet early on tonight. Well, I will up at her house and she ran about four days ago. She's with them four days ago. And they just go quickly. Yeah. Right? And, the, you know, years go quickly as you get older. So all you youngers out there, have some great time and have some great fun because be, before you know it, mm. you'll be retired uh, or you'll be leaving school and then you'll get your work done and then you'll be coming up to retirement age you'll be saying, same as what we're saying now, where's the time? Where has time gone? Because it does go that quickly once you leave school. Absolutely. And people, you know, the young guns are listening, look, who's these pair of old farts going on about that? My dad always used to say to me, your granddad says... It's a short life, son. Enjoy it. And um, when he was a young and just going changed, out, that's absolutely. That's always been passed down. That yeah. That saying, but, that. but but he said them words to me that my dad when he started courting me mum. <laughs> I mean now he's eighty and the old girl's seventy eight, and you do you just think where's that time gone? Uh, football, uh, football books book corner is another feature that we do in uh, in association with myfootballbooks.com the first book that they've given us of the new series is beastly fury the strange birth of british football by richard sanders so uh, check out that one guys all these books are on uh, facebook pages uh, twitter pages at current view and also we've got an instagram uh, page as well so check them all out but go over to myfootballbooks.com because all the books are on their facebook page and their website as well second bo- second oh, book is your book john purdy tell me about it Right. First, first, before before we mention John, yeah, um, you put on about the Torino, yes, uh, but what came out with um, when they lost nearly all, they lost all their team, yeah, and they never recovered like Manchester United recovered because they were the top team at their time. Oh, absolutely, fourth night. Yeah, I'm going to get that book and and um, and uh, read it. Well, I saw the book. Uh, come up on Facebook, uh, I don't know him, John Purdy, I know of him, yeah. but I don't know him, um, and I thought, oh, I'll buy that book, uh, because it sounded interesting to me, you know, yeah. um, it were at Arsenal, and it looks as though, I can relate to one or two things when I'm reading the book, um, it's, it's a fascinating book, it is a fascinating book, um, but it is a football book, mm. right, uh, and it's about his life, and it looks as though he was a technical player and he was always fighting probably his own uh, demons and, and, and the coach's uh, philosophy. And he would played out of position, but, you know, as a young kid, he was scoring goals for fun through the middle mm. and then another manager plays him out wide. Yeah. Now, I get that because as a young kid, I scored, I scored 12 goals in one game. Yeah. Right? But I scored goals for fun. You know, and then when I became a professional footballer under Morris Setters, because I was quick, he wanted to play me out wide. Now, I've always said I hated playing out. I mean, that's a strong word. It's mm. not that I hated playing out there because I love football. Yeah. But I wonder how well I would have played more by playing in a position that I wanted to play in. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you'll play there because you want to play. Mm. You know, as you, the older you get, it becomes a bit more... Well, no, I don't want to play there. But as a young as a young kid, you want to beat teams, so you you go along with it. But you're better off playing in a position where you can get the best out of that player. So going on to to, to John's book, uh, I saw it pop up, uh, and I've started. I've set off reading it. 
so when I'm in bed at night time now, uh, I've got halfway through the first chapter of it, and I've been fascinated by it because, like I said, it, I can relate to lots of things. Uh, what's in it? But I would, advise, you know, it's a great book for people to read, and it's uh, it's, uh, it's not an ad back. What is it, John? Uh, it's a paperback, isn't it? Perds, yeah, paperback. Perds, booze, and footy. So yeah, it's John uh, Purdy, birds, booze, birds, birds, not birds. Yeah, absolutely, birds, yeah. Booze and footy, and it's it's brilliant, you know, because it's about um, you played at some decent clubs. I've been Arsenal more than a decent club. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, and then he played lower down. In the leagues, he ended up and playing nice at Kidderminster, to, didn't and he? It, and it's nice to hear mm. um, players playing at that level. Yeah, because they have the same, they have the same problems at that level as the professionals levels, uh, professional players do yeah. at their level at uh, in our game. Because mm. I had it, and you fight, you're fighting demons, you're fighting your own demons. So look, you need to do it for team, you need to do it for manager. And then when it, you know, if the team gets beat. If you're playing out of position or you're playing in a position you don't want to, you always seem to get blamed. You know, and that's what I can relate to with, with, with John. Um, I'm enjoying reading it. I will get through this book, but I'm definitely going to get the other one, what uh, you you uh, mentioned the other, other week, uh, the Torino one. Yeah, I'll buy lots of books. I mean, my missus says, you're buying another book that you're not going to read. And it's not the fact that I don't want to read. I have got that many books. I'd love to be able to retire and just read books and watch football and make podcasts. But I live in the real world. That's never going to happen. So I'll buy them because I want to read them and I will read them one day. Going back to Torino, 4th of May, 1949. Uh, yeah, sadly, the, uh, the the plane. I looked it up. I looked it up. I'll Super you put it down. I thought, yeah. well, I'll, be, I'll be prepared for this. Because I it, just, you know me, I do things off cuff, don't I? Yeah, they, they, they wore the uh, Basilica, didn't they, yeah. on the uh, Super Bowl? And I read, read all about it. I mean, these were the top This were the top team in, in, in Italy. So oh, they fielded uh, 10 Italian internationals. I mean, yeah. the only the only one that, that, that wasn't was the uh, the goalkeeper, but he was. And they played, I've got no idea, they played Hungary in a game and, um, yes. and, and fielded 11 Italian internationals playing for El Grande Torino, um, which is completely unheard of. And uh, in fact, I mean, it was a horrendous um, plane crash because like, as you say, Manchester United, it wasn't the fact that all the Busby Babes died, eight of the players died, the Busby Babes, but there was lots of them and they brought in other players and got through and with the uh, skill, the guile, the endeavour of Jimmy Murphy and Matt Busby and the players, uh, put United on a, on an even greater scale when they won the European Cup in 1968, you could argue. But we'll never forget the Busby Babes. But sadly, Torino have never recovered from the uh, 4th of May. Uh, in fact, Laszlo um, Kabala was going to be on that plane as well. He was due to play because they played against... Um, I think it was Benfica. They played a, a charity testimonial game. That's right. Yeah, and they uh, they 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 would have landed at another airport, but they decided to go um, to Turin for some reason, probably because they got a bit of duty free. And, um, and sadly, <laughs> sadly, as a they couldn't couldn't see where the pilot couldn't see where he's going, and and just clipped. I think it was the wing that 
clipped the uh, the wall of the basilica that's high on the um on the mountains there in Supergar. But uh, yeah, absolutely awful. And uh, the pinup boy of internet of uh, Italian. Uh, international football, Valentino Mazzola, whose son, Sandro Mazzola, played in the uh, uh, El Grande uh, inter-team that dominated Europe. Well, my, my book's gone to um, gone to uh, publish, yep. so um, it will be on sale um, September 2nd. Right, but you'll only be able to get it through uh, me and through our site, because I'll just put it on all our sites. Yeah. Um, Amazon make enough money off on people, so I'm going to sell this myself, um, and I'll get it stretched as far as I can get it stretched. Uh, and if people enjoy it, they'll pass it on, and it'll either be a good book or a, uh, an A for them. Um, and if it's a good book, they will pass it on. But in general, people want to buy their own books or want to buy uh, something or, and test it out and see it for themselves. So. Sometimes it can work for you, and sometimes it can uh, not work for you. But I'm going to sell it for myself and see how it how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sick, I'm sick of the people making money out of me. Absolutely, too soon. If it, if it's if it's half as good as Regrets of a Football Maverick, then it's some read because that is one of the best books that I've ever read. And uh, I I read that just as we were um, conversing. Really, we hadn't actually spoke. We done um, right. a, a, an interview there in my seventies, having read your books. I said you should get, you know, an official Facebook page, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Because at the end of the day, Terry Curran, you were an absolute legend, and I think every football player should have their own personal page, even the ones that have sadly passed now, which leads us nicely, or it will do shortly, because we're going to talk about uh, Robin Friday. But the third book in the um, the trilogy this week is Football's Braveheart, Dave Mackay by Mike Donovan and there was a lovely picture on Steve Perryman's socials of him gazing at the book Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Well, when you when you when when you look at Dave McKay, the amount of times uh, he, he got all the all the other players' shirts, yeah. and nobody seemed to want to 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 go up against him, did they? So no. they almost have had respect for him, and he he must have been able to hang, uh, handle himself well. But forget that. What a player he was for, for Tottenham, mm. and what a big uh, signing he was for Brian Clough and Derby County. Yeah, I mean, and then it? he goes and, and, go, and then then he goes and wins a league title for Derby County after you know Clough resigns and everything else and all the turmoil. Uh, what was happening round about that time with Derby uh, Clough and everything else? But what a player uh, and what a man. And you're absolutely right, and I think more than a player. Because I think that the influence that Dave Mackay had in the dressing room and on the pitch for Tottenham is immeasurable. And that picture of him holding Billy up just just says everything. I mean, he was just the archetypal barrel-chested, like, wing half, wasn't he? I mean, and he broke both his legs, didn't he, Dave Mackay? Yes, he did. He did. I, I mean, he, he was as hard as nails. Still play at the ace level. He must have been an incredible footballer. Oh, absolutely, and I think you could—you certainly could argue—one of the all-time great British players, and and 
for the for the young kids that watch Sky these days and all they see is Premier League, Premier League, Premier League. Football started in the 1800s and we had some fantastic players. That oh, if they been, were, over the years have been some great players. Oh, if they were playing today, they'd still be fantastic. And a little great men- would. It's like, because they would, they would, they're playing on better pitches. Yeah. Uh, they would look after the bodies are better. Yeah. They wouldn't be going out boozing because that's what they did then. What they're doing now is totally opposite, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The dietitian side of it is yeah. better. The, yeah. You know, the, the coaching has got to be better. You know, you're not running 12 and 14 miles a day. These are doing breaks with rest. You know, not breaks with rest. Uh, yeah. Training with rest. You know, breaking it down. This is what you would do on a football field. So you would run for a minute, rest for a minute and a half, that type of thing. It's, everything's changed. And all the great players throughout the years, would still play today. Oh, absolutely. I said that to um, Frank Worthington and I had the pleasure of meeting Frank on a, on a number of occasions and, and I said, Frank, would great players of yesteryear be still great players today? And he said, son, great players will always be great players. It's now or never. <laughs> and he started singing to me. And, uh, you know, when, when people just say, never meet your heroes, you know, that it's so wrong because every hero of mine that I've ever met has just been even better than what they were on the football pitch. Great footballers and even better people. Uh, Robin Friday, uh, Football Masters magazine, a fantastic magazine. We do our, uh, our time vault in conjunction with uh, with those guys. Did you ever play against Robin Friday? No, not as I can... I did play against Freddie because he played for Reading, didn't Yes, he, he did, yeah. So and around about that shot. time. How old, how old would he have been? He was born in, 19, in 1952. In fact... So he's two years, he's three years older than me. He would have been. 19... What, what year were you born, say so? 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was... He's tw- 11 months older than Alan Hudson. Because I phoned up Huddy and says... He was at Chelsea, 66 to 67. He went from... Palace. There's been there's there's been, there's just been a, a, a roar about him. I can't remember. I say I can't remember him. I can't remember him playing. I don't know if I played against him or not. No, he, you know. He, 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 what had what had happened? I mean, there's been a book uh, written in 1998. It was written. It was written by Paolo Hewitt and um, and and, and Giggsy that, that not Giggsy that played for Man United, but Giggsy that um, that was the base player of Oasis. And what they said, it's very difficult to verify the stories. Some some might be true, but, but some might not be true. But looking at Robin Friday and the kind of image that the fella had, they're all feasibly, um, well, they're all feasible, to be quite truthful, because he was what? a kind of rock star footballer who was what a was... drug addict, womaniser, Alcoholic all rolled into one. What was uh, Hudson's uh, opinion of him as a player? Alan didn't know him because he was at Chelsea, 66 to 67, and he was 11 months old, uh, younger than Alan. And I said, right. do you remember him, Al, coming, going to Chelsea? He says, no, I don't. In fact, he was talking to Shanksy the other day about him, but he said, no, I, d- I don't remember him. So Alan had got no memories of him. But, I mean, what, what he did in his enigmatic way was was quite incredible. I mean, you know, people 
You always look back and people say, well, he could have played for England. Well, no, he couldn't. 100% he couldn't have. Because with, with Ramsey and Revy, there is no way anybody but like that would have got there. Other players would have spoke highly of him, wouldn't they? Well, players that played with him and played against him spoke unbelievably high of him. The Reading supporters, the videos that I've watched, spoke so highly of him. But their yardstick isn't that great, and that's not being unfair to Robin Friday. No, listen, you know the, the like title of the great like, yeah, like big would have played in third division. Absolutely, you will not get, will not get the and I I understand yeah. that. I yeah. blame myself for yeah. what I did. Yeah. But, right? but I helped get my team closer to getting back in the first division, and that's what I went to set out. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say about Robin, Robin Friday, I cannot, you know, like I do remember Udi and George Easton. Yeah. You know, uh, Danny Dugan, Len Glover, uh, Peter Stringfellow, uh, Peter Stringfellow, uh, Stringfellow played with Leicester, not Peter Stringfellow, he was a nightclub owner. Stringfellow played with Leicester, you know, David, I can remember loads of great players mm-hmm. from round about that era. But Robin Friday has always come up of being this mystical uh, man. What people have wrote about him and saying what a great player he was. Did he get injured or did he, did he have any injuries at, at all? No, what he, I'm, I'm actually um, doing a um, an interview a chapter of my life interview because on our book corner we do put the books out we talk about the books and we put it out on the social media and Stuart Kane who's wrote the book Man Friday said would it be okay if you give my book a mention I said well it won't be okay you're from Birmingham come into our studio and we'll cut out a, a live uh, Facebook broadcast what, and what put... I will say about Friday is this mm. I can understand what everybody's saying about I can understand uh, what people are saying about him because he might have been one of those players because in those days it was you can't do this you can't do that yeah and lots of players went and did it the opposite Mm. you know um so he might have gone down that road of obviously going birding and boozing and drinking and drugging and dogging and horse racing and all that type of thing and he got this charisma about him yeah you know um without concentrating on football in general because when you look at Udi everybody knew what a great player Udi was yeah and when you look at him what he did against Germany mm. and that was the best team round about that time in Europe yeah right um and then Revy doesn't pick him again or play, plays one more game and then doesn't pick him uh but Udi will always get um with certain people, uh, he will always get that. Well, if he wanted jank and concentrate on his football, um, he may have played more games for England. That's a, that's a lot of rubbish because the biggest drinker in football when he will play was Brian Robson. Yeah, but the managers loved him mm. for some unknown reason. Uh, they couldn't teach Udi how to play football. Absolutely. It was, that was such a natural talent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how can you teach somebody what sees something that other people don't see? Well, you, you can't. And it must piss them off. It must piss them off. Oh, it did. And the only person, the only manager that ever um, treated Udi player? Why does a player have to suffer for that? Mate, it's, it's just incredible and football's littered with him. But Robin Friday only played three seasons. He played two, know, yeah. two seasons at Reading and one at Cardiff. 
he um he retired at the age of 25 but but he was um he, he was a bit different in in fact uh, super furry animals on their record the man who don't give a fuck he was he was the cover of that sleeve robin friday he got married um on a saturday he decided he was going to get married and it was a saturday when ready were playing but he didn't bother playing football he was getting married and um, when they come out of the uh, where they got married in the register office it looked like a register office it may have been a church i'm going to find out monday they reckon there was thousands of fans outside instead of going to watch reading at elm park they went you to see robin yeah absolutely <laughs> but what they'd done at the reception as well he um he, they put lsd in like the rum punch everybody was absolutely off the face in fact his missus and He's always had this aura about him, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. He, he, he rolled up a joint on the steps while he's waiting for his missus to arrive. Even her and the bridesmaid had five um, tablets of speed. By the time they went down the aisle, she couldn't even say, I do. She was off her face. And, and this, this fella was just, he, he was just a different uh, a different character. He turned up in a nightclub with um, an Afghan coat, an obnail boot, and absolutely nothing on underneath. <laughs> but um, So it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, podcast that I'm going to cut with him. And pre-season, the one pre-season, um, he went to a hippie commune in Cornwall, and that's how he spent his pre-season. Loved music. I think he loved drugs even more than drink. Uh, most of the times, obviously. You can see face. why. What's, what you can see, what's, what you know, why. Oh, probably, oh yeah. It, it, that had taken over him because probably, I mean, I can't remember him, but it has been players uh, what spoke highly of him. And yeah. he's always been, it's always been this uh, maverick of, uh, yeah. without, I cannot remember seeing him play, but he's had this aura about him, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. What people have always wanted to talk about. And this is the thing for a football player to have played three seasons in the fourth and the third division, to have not played 200 games, but you leave a legacy behind you that's that, that, that's almost well, mythical. Almost mi- mythical. Talked about today, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's almost mythical. It's almost like Hercules of the Sea and the Loch Ness monster, Robin <laughs> Friday. He's just a, a a character, and he used to be. Um, he was an asphalter, and he he fell off a scaffold the one day and impaled on a spike, and that seemed to change his life around, and he lived every day as his last, and lived it in the fast lane. But I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to Stuart and um, Man Friday. I'm looking forward to listening to that, because it's going to be interesting, that. Oh, absolutely. And and there are um, videos on YouTube that you can watch, and I I was watching them, listening, um, you know, my bottom jaw was just dropping, and uh, different podcasts that people have made about Robin Friday. And again, I will say that there are players that played for 20 seasons, that haven't got the image and the icon status that he did and he didn't play 200 games of professional football in the lower regions. It's unbelievable how, how some players can do that type of thing. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so going from that to one of the greatest managers that we've ever seen, they're going to erect a statue of Fergie, aren't they? Well, outside Old Trafford? Or... No, I believe outside uh, Aberdeen. I mean, oh, right. they... Well, they 
well, what he did for Aberdeen, and there's not and there's not a statue there for him. Yeah, it's incredible to beat Real Madrid in the final. Yeah, Aberdeen, unbelievable. When Real Madrid were at the best, mm-hmm. you know, it's incredible. And to take on the big boys, Celtic and Rangers, you know, oh. and, and really uh, upset the apple cat with, you know, uh, when he was managing Aberdeen. I didn't know. I thought I thought there was a statue of him at uh, Aberdeen. I, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I mean, I might be wrong, but um, I'm sure that I saw it on the socials that there's talk of, um, of a statue a to me. I'm, again, I'm not too sure, TC. I think they're, I think they're having a new ground. Uh, I think they've got a new ground. Or, you know, the big proceeds are getting... Uh, I've been passed for a new ground. Pitodri, isn't it? Their, uh, yeah, their ground... Yeah. It, yeah. It, it translates as Dungill, doesn't it? I think it's Gaelic, isn't it? Pitot Brew. I and I, I do know. believe that they were the first the first club that had uh, dugouts because the manager wants to see the footwork of uh, of the players and that was the reason that they put dugouts. Right. Yeah. You learn something every day, don't you? Every day is a school day, TC. Every day is a school day. What about the, what, what about the scenario at Swansea? Well, it's a mad one, isn't it? Mad football is barmy. Football's barmy. I don't know. It's mad. How can you start a new season? I know the manager uh, uh, has resigned. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's more to this than meets the eye. Ah, hundred percent. You know, regardless what anyone says, you can never prove it. But mm. managers uh, get asked to join other clubs. Players get asked to join other clubs. Before that, before that club, well, the club do they do know what's going on because they do it themselves. Yeah. But Swansea now. Have been in two playoffs. The yeah. managers walked out, yeah. uh, and the, unless it's a foreign coach, you'll get a manager who comes in, and he'll he'll, con, he'll complain about we haven't got players, we haven't got this, we need this and that, and that Swansea could put these in a the right uh, tickle. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so it's, there's, you know, it's a, it's a crazy scenario, crazy scenario. And Steve Cooper, I, he I, hasn't I, got. Like is he, manager, where, where's he gone, Cooper? Nowhere. No, I didn't He's think gone he nowhere. Had. Yeah, he, he hasn't gone to another club, but I think you don't. Managers don't walk out. I've never known a manager no. walk out. All these things, mm. you know, uh, he's on gardening leave, yeah. or they've come to a mutual agreement. No, they don't. A manager always wants to manage. Because he, he'd been linked right? to a number of clubs, hadn't he? And yes, you know, I think yeah, yeah. There's talk about um, it were distracting the owners about talk uh, talk about other clubs mm. uh, being in for him. But so, that, that's natural, but, isn't it, in the game of football. Everybody gets tapped up. You're always looking to move and better is yourself, etc. Is, is there a board as well at Sheffield Wednesday? Absolutely, season, yeah. He'll be gone. And yeah. yet Sheffield Wednesday's a big club. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you're playing in a lower league. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, or if, you're, if you're in a team, what's, you know, uh, I mean, Swansea's not the biggest team in that league. So if another co- team club comes in for him in that league, a, a bigger club, he's going to go. Absolutely. But he's going to have more funds. He's going to have uh, a little bit better quality play. Not necessarily all the time, mm-hmm. but everything will lead for him to give him the, the, the uh, chance to, 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 to be winning uh, titles at that level. Absolutely. Or, Absolutely. Absolutely. So you see, we said at the top of the podcast with Jack Grealish and Aston Villa, one of the great British clubs. And, you know, even Villa are a selling club. You look at all the top clubs, you look at Liverpool, 
you could argue Liverpool are a selling club because Barcelona or Real Madrid come in for their players. They're off, generally speaking. Well, Everybody's got a price on their head. Regardless if you're a Liverpool fan, regardless if you're a League United fan, regardless if you're a Manchester City fan, yeah, the yeah. biggest club in this country, whether mm-hmm. people like it or not, is Manchester United. Oh, without a doubt. They cannot mm-hmm. hold on to players when Barcelona Absolutely. and Real Madrid come, come uh, calling for them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. All, so, everybody you know, has a price. They're yeah. all selling clubs. Yeah, I mean, Ronaldo. Now, yeah. In that sense, when it comes to, you know, the, the even the elite club, which is Barcelona and Real Madrid. Yeah. Everybody has a price and players and managers will move. They say there's no law in football. Can I ask football? this question? So everybody's have a price. Why hasn't he never been sold? Messi? Um, I, I just think the price for him is just too much. I don't think anybody could afford them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what price would you put well, on Messi? Did, well, I would imagine someone, someone in, in the Middle East or in... But then he's not playing at the highest level. Exactly what would be the point or then? in China could have thrown the bigger money than what Barcelona could do. You could say a billion no. pounds. Go and play in China for a billion well, pounds. What's well, the point? You, when, when you look at him, Barcelona 1.3 billion in debt. Yeah. Now, for all the trophies they've won, yeah. Really, that could bankrupt the club. It won't bankrupt. It won't back, bankrupt them because obviously Spain, Real Madrid is run by the government, and what Bar- mm. Real Madrid get, Barcelona's going to get. Or she's yeah. going to have a civil war type of thing. Not civil wars, but you know what I mean. You're I know have you mean, yeah. You know. Mm. So uh, what I'm trying to get at is. Every player has his price. There's got to be one of these Arab clubs would have wanted to take him there, mm. but he's not playing at the highest level. No, I'm you sure know. that they would have, but again, it's playing and being competitive in, in playing yes. your football, isn't it? What's the point in going there or going to China it, for all that money? Well, it's got everything. Spain has got everything when you're going to Barcelona. It's got the sunshine. Yeah, exactly. It's got the lifestyle. Um... And their lifestyle is is um, a glass of wine at a cafe mm. compared to what it is like in England. It's like going down at pub and all that type of thing. And we know that's changed. Yeah. But the you know the weather and everything else is not like it is in Spain. The tax the tax scenarios is a lot better over there. Yeah, everything um, everything not, not just looks get, great. Not if you get caught, right? But... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the birds walk round in bikinis and stuff like that. Why would you want to come to Birmingham or Sheffield when you can have that if you're Lionel Messi? Hey, don't you know my city? I love that city. <laughs> <laughs> and mine is as yes. well, but the birds agree, don't, they don't go round in. But, but it doesn't half, half make a difference when that sun shines. Oh, There's no vacuum cleaner tonight that's going to be switched on because uh, she's off uptown with her friends. But, uh, oh. yeah, I well, know. My yeah. vacuum's coming on because I'm going to get something to eat. I'm starving. But before the vacuum does, TC, football forecast, because this is the first uh, of the new series. So, because so it's Scotland. So, no, what we're doing is we won't be doing a podcast in the week next week. It will be running forward. This one, we've brought it forward, if you like. It's Friday right. evening now. So, we're going to be looking at the... Um, the first game of the season for all of our clubs. And uh, we're going to be looking at the Charity Shield. So let's have your predictions, TC, please. Leicester versus Manchester City, the Charity Shield. You know what I'm going to go for, don't you? Manchester City. 
Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be difficult again this season. But I think Chelsea will push them. But for the Charity Shield, I'm, I'm going to go for uh, Manchester City. What score? Uh, four nil. Blimey, I've gone one three, four nil. Right. Okay. Hey, do you know something, Gabby? I, I was going to put uh, three one. Yeah. That's what I was going to do. Put three one, and I went. Now I'm going to put four nil. It's funny you're saying that. I'm thinking to myself, three one, three one. In my head, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I went there, four nil. Derby versus Huddersfield. I mean, Derby is struggling, and um, well, what can you say about what Wayne, you know, Wayne Rooney he, at the moment? Rooney, Rooney is taking taking a lot of stick about Derby County not mm. being in management. I'll tell you what, he kept him up. Regardless what you know, mm. uh, and I like Simon Jordan, and Simon Jordan slagged him off. Mm. He's kept them up, right? They've looked, they've, they've got no players, they've got no money. Mel Morris wants to sell. Yeah, it's not going to put any yeah. more money into them. Mm. I mean. Again, pre-season friendlies, they don't mean nothing in one in one sense, but he's giving fitness into games and much fitness into games. But that was a good result against um, the other night. Not Billy Vale, what would they call them? Real Sociedad. Was it Real Sociedad? I don't know. I've, I've really not seen that much it's football. It's one of the Spanish teams. Yeah. You know, and, and they won 1-0. So, I want to listen to him talk. He doesn't get flustered, he doesn't get angry mm. you know it comes across level-headed and, and, and he knows what's going to the abuse he's going to get if he fails and they fail but I think he's done brilliant considering because since Lampard left and they didn't get up mm. they've had to cut the cloth oh absolutely they've oh. had to cut the cloth um, and that Philip Cocu came in Wanted to play football, but didn't have the right players and didn't have the money to get the right players. Mm. And, and, and what Rooney's done, because what Simon Jordan says, and I like Simon Jordan, a lot many people don't, but I, I quite like I listening like, to him. I do, I like him. Um, Rooney has kept Derby County up. Mm. Never mind, you know, this happened and that happened. He's kept them up because under that circumstances, Derby County... There's plenty of experienced managers would have failed. Yeah. And have failed before. I love Darren Farley's take on Wayne Rooney. And he absolutely nailed his centre midfield player, didn't he, in training? Oh, no. Jesus, <laughs> But it happens that. And if, yeah. if, the, if, you know, if he, if, I mean, Rooney, if he thinks that he's been a bit funny, you because know, you, you get that in training, you know, you do get that in training. Oh, God, oh, yeah. So what's your what's your prediction, TC? Derby versus Huddersfield. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for a one nil derby. Yeah, I've just put one nil down as well. <clears throat> uh, Sheffield Sheffield United versus Birmingham City, which is a late kickoff on uh, on Saturday night. One one. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Sheffield. I think they'll just edge it. Uh, good luck to Lee Bowyer and the boys this season, by the way. I think we've got decent owners. I didn't realise that the managing director is a friend of mine. <laughs> I didn't and he was telling me. Yeah, 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 I, 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 yeah. I, I did, literally, I didn't realise that he was a managing director of Birmingham City. So has the owner sold out that you've got new owners? No, well, you can never tell, can you? I mean, he's, he's not, he don't own Birmingham. He's just like 
the managing director. <clears throat> so they've got a board of directors. He's just the one that's managing them. But um, right. but yeah, I like him, Edward. He's a nice guy. Hopefully, we're going to go for uh, have some to eat and a couple of drinks and uh, chat football. Charlton versus Sheffield Wednesday, your club, TC. Oh, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Wednesday. Yep, OK. I'm going to go for a 1-0 Wednesday. I um, think it'd be difficult, but I just think we might nick it. Yeah, I'm going to go 1-1. I think it's a tough start there at Charlton. Uh, Doncaster, another one of your old former clubs against Wimbledon. Uh, happy memories of playing Wimbledon, TC. Oh, not half, yeah. <laughs> um, on both occasions, by the way. Uh, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Doncaster. I think it'd be a tight game, that. Okay, you know, okay. I mean, Doncaster have had some tough pre-season uh, friendlies. You know, they got beat 4-0 the other night against Sheffield United. But like I said, they, you know, they can give you a false hope, that type of thing. But I'm going to go for a 1-0 Doncaster. I'm going to go for a I, I like Vichy Wellens. Not because I like him. Yeah. Uh, I like the way how he tries to play football. Yeah, he was at Swindon, wasn't he? Yeah. He went to Swindon uh, and then... He got the Salford job. He Salford, took the Salford yeah. job. And what I've heard is that the, the, the Man United boys were saying you can't play football at this level. Mm. And he wanted to play football. Because there was a lot of mumbling going off, weren't there? Yeah, there was, yeah. And, the, and he was big mates with all that because, he, he, you know, he was in, the, in and around that, that, the, that squad of Man United. Yeah. Whether it was a year older or a year younger, he was in and around them boys. Yeah, I'm going to go for a nil-nil there in that game. First nil-nil of the season. I can, yeah, I could see that, but you know, I would, you know, I'm going for a Donny because he's one of my clubs, and uh, I'm going to put them down for a one-nil win. And finally, on the Sunday, we got Coventry versus another of your former clubs, Nottingham Forest. Coventry back at the Rico. Yes, back at the Rico. Uh, glad he's finally. I mean, what he's done has been marvellous, and uh, I like the way how he plays football. Uh, but I'm going to go for a 1-0 Forest. I think um, Chris Hewitt has done, has done well with Forest. Uh, he's, got a, he's going to have a full full season, uh, pre-season behind him. He'll get the players in what he wants. And uh, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Forest, but I still think it'd be difficult because he's another one I like. Uh, the football he plays, uh, Mark Robbins. Yeah, he's done a fine job there. And, and although we can't play any music because of copyright issues, uh, if I was going to pick a record this week, it would be Duran Jones and the Indications, who brought out their third album. It's an absolute banger called Private Space. Duran Jones and the Indications are my favourite group stroke band on the planet at the moment. I think they're absolutely fantastic. So check them out, guys. And TC, what record would you have played if we were allowed to play any records? Well, my favourite record of all time would be Terry Kevin singing the blues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's, plenty, there's plenty of records that you know, I like. I mean, Paul Carrick... Um, Living years, Paul Carrick. That, that's what I would like to play. I could play that every week because yeah, you'd be you know, fun. I, I like his voice. You know, Ace when he was in Ace and everything else, fabulous. And what fabulous. I've what I've done, I've put uh, every month. We're going to have the current view. We're going to have a playlist, and then we're going to put records on there and Brilliant. put the uh, put the playlist and share it out there. And uh, so, thank you so much again, TC, for your time. Love to you and 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 yours. Um, and Have a good weekend. Yeah, let's yep. hope we're all singing Love the blues. Love to all yours. Um, give my regards to your, to your mum and 
hope Birmingham sets off well, and I hope my club sets off Sheffield Wednesday. And thanks everyone for going to listen to this pod- podcast, and we'll be we're back now uh, every week. Um, now the season started. Yeah, and give Janet a big hug and a kiss from all of us. So yeah. I will, buddy. Cheers, Mocha. Cheers, buddy. Okay. Buddy. Thank you and thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.